Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton, and it's a privilege and an honor to be with you on this Tuesday. <clears throat> We're getting close to the end of the month of Adar 1, getting closer to Adar 2. Purim is just in a few weeks away, three and a half weeks. It's an exciting time and hopefully a blessed time in your life. That's what I pray for. I pray that all listeners, uh, everyone, that we be blessed with goodness and abundance and the kind of goodness that is revealed. In other words, it's not the kind of goodness that you have to convince yourself it's good. It's the kind of goodness that's obviously good. In Hebrew, it's called tov hanir eva nigle, the good that's perceived as good because it's so obviously good. So, what do we forbring about today? Today, I want to forbring to you, with you, hopefully, not to you. Feel free to comment on three four five one nine. Today, I want to forbring about identity, how we identify ourselves. You see, we live in a world that. People are passionate or obsessed, you might say, with how to be identified. What race, what uh, sexual orientation, what personality, what ideas, what politics. I want to be identified, right? My identity. But often what happens is, in this quest for identity, which I don't believe is wrong, uh, it could always be taken in the wrong direction, but fundamentally we all want to be unique and have an identity. What we often focus too much on is our small little identity, in other words, just us, instead of our story, where we come from, our ancestors. Today... Part of being a modern human being, not consciously, but subconsciously, is to convince yourself somehow that anyone before digitization, any human being that lived before our sophisticated time, was um, primitive. Their ideas, their philosophies were totally ridiculous and unevolved. Right? We, are, we have achieved modernity. We are the most sophisticated, broad-minded, liberal um, society on earth. And anyone who did not advance themselves to our advanced ideology is, is primitive, is pathetic. And in, in certain cultures, especially in what's called the political left, there's, or there's this idea of canceling them. Now, I'm not a, po- a political commentator, but uh, this whole idea of canceling people, in other words, if the person did not live up to what we believe is absolute morality is canceled, is, is a fascinating human phenomenon, because I don't believe it's only in politics. I believe that there is this perception by most people that... Our ancestors didn't have a lot of sophistication. Their ideas were not evolved, and therefore we have to throw it out. 
Um, and I see it often when you talk to people about their heritage. You know, you talk to them about their ancestors, where they come from, Jewish history, and there's this like haze that goes over the eyes. Like, are you kidding me? Why should I take them seriously? They were so primitive. If they knew what I knew, they would also be atheists, right? If they read Richard Dawkins, they would also achieve the absolute clarity that I have. Now, there's many words I could come up to define that worldview that pretty much says anyone who did not see the world in a modern lens um, is less. But the, the word that comes to mind more than any other is arrogant. It is so arrogant for us to convince ourselves that reality is the way we see it, that morality is the way morality is defined in 2022 and not in 1922 or in 1822 or in 1722, etc. Or up 222 BCE. It's so arrogant. The arrogance is, is so intense because what it's saying is, apologies for that, um, um, the arrogance is coming and saying, anyone who doesn't see the world the way I do, I don't have to respect their worldview. But the truth is, who says you're right? Who says we see the whole picture? You know, we live in a world today. Give me an example of where we are so narrow in our worldview compared to other cultures and people who lived, you know, just a f not too long ago, maybe our, our own um, ancestors that we knew, or maybe ancestors hundreds or thousands of years back. Today, part of being a modern human being is the materialistic worldview. The materialistic worldview comes and says, if I could see it, if I could touch it, if I could feel it, then it's real. If I cannot see it, I cannot touch it, I cannot feel it, then it's not real. And you ask yourself a simple question. Really? Is that it? So all the people who, throughout all of history, who believed in some other reality, whether it was they believed it you know, from a Jewish point of view or from any other point of view, anybody who believed in a reality that's of transcendent, that's untouchable, but that just is, is wrong? I've heard many people say, yes, they are wrong. I've sat across numerous um, teenagers, young adults, or people later on in life, and I asked them a simple question, you know, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about faith? And the first thing they'll always say is, I don't believe. Okay, every person's entitled to their own point of view. But then you challenge them and say, come on, give me a, give me a, give me a good reason why you chose not to believe in the fact that the world was created by a creator. And the, the answer inevitably is, not always, but pretty much always, at least for that, my experience is, well, I can't see God, so he doesn't exist. Okay, that's it. That's the whole argument. The whole argument is, I cannot see it, it doesn't exist. 
no sophistication, no thought through ideology, nothing. Just I can't see that. Really? Is that is that is that what the debate is? Is that is that our perspective of all the people throughout all of history who have gone on this journey and found something that they were wrong because it cannot be seen? I believe that there, there is a valid debate about faith, but often the debate is, is not being done intellectually. It's not being done um, through a way of real searching. It's being done, I cannot see it, um, religion is opium of the masses, or a bunch of other cliches. And like I often tell people when they tell me that, atheism is as much opium of the masses as religion is. Because just like you could say religion is convenient because you have a crutch, Atheism is convenient because you you have excuse to do whatever you want. Now, I don't believe people use atheism because of a crutch, at least the majority, but I think it's arrogant to tell somebody of faith that they're using faith as a crutch. It's equally arrogant. Um, but the point is that in order to have a real conversation, there has to be an appreciation, an appreciation for a different worldview, an appreciation for people who... Although they cannot see God themselves, they know of his existence and it's real for them. And just because the, in, the other individual debating them does not live in that reality, and for them everything that's touchable is real, doesn't mean they cannot sit there saying, one second, maybe there is another point of view. Maybe even though I cannot digest it, even though I cannot connect to it, there is reality beyond what I touch. There is reality beyond what I see. I mean, even scientifically, it's been proven that pretty much everything we see isn't isn't reality. It's all just, uh, you know, what light and our eyes are combining together to create some form of making sense of this world. But inherently, the table I'm sitting in front of and the screen I'm sitting in front of are 99.999% hollow and just energy. Very little matter. So I got to this. I got to this point by starting with a, with a different question. And the question was, how do you identify yourself? Do you identify yourself as simply you and your interests and your personality? Or do you identify yourself with your heritage? If you don't respect your heritage, then you won't identify with it. And that's how we got into this conversation. Because not respecting your heritage and what all the people that came before you went through is arrogant. Not respecting their ideology. You might disagree, but you at least respect them. Respect the people who fought for something that they believe in. Respect the people who believed certain things with their whole heart. And before you throw out thousands of years of history before you throw out things that your ancestors were willing to die for why don't you actually think about it and get to know it that's what I want to explore with you over the rest of the Fabregan this is 101.9 Chai FM this is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Linksfield Shul this is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and we are in the middle of this conversation about appreciating your heritage. And what stimulated this thought is the sad um, 
reality that's coming clearer and clearer. How many fellow Jews are quickly um, discarding their their legacy and their heritage and embracing assimilation, continuing not to deciding not to continue the chain of Jewishness and Judaism to their children. And there's many conversations and many discussions that could be had on that topic, but today I want to just go on it from one angle. And the angle is appreciating where you come from and appreciating the story that brought you here. You know, in less than two months, we're going to be sitting down to the Pesach Seder. And when we sit at the Seder, we tell a story going all the way back to Abraham, to Abraham, his discovering of God, his wife, his children, their spouse, their children, eventually going down to Egypt, spending 200 years there, coming out after a long time of slavery, getting the Torah at Sinai, spending 40 years in the desert, going into Israel, trying to build up a civilization for hundreds of years, you know, grappling without central leadership. And then eventually they finally build a temple under King Solomon and they have kings, King Saul, King David, King, King Shlomo, King Solomon, eventually two kingdoms, one kingdom. I'm really giving the whole of Jewish history in like the, the widest size possible. Um, and then I just want to focus on a few points. But the point is like two kingdoms. One of the kingdoms is totally destroyed and exiled and lost to, Jew, to the Jewish world, the whole northern kingdom that included 10 out of the 12, 13 tribes was uh, decimated and moved all around the world. That's the famous Lost Ten Tribes. The other society manages to last a little longer and then they go through a terrible massacre at the destruction of the first temple and then exile and then rebuild the temple a second time with Ezra and Chemia. And then that temple's destroyed a few hundred years later by the Romans. In the middle, the Greeks came and the Persians and the Babylonians, each one with their own... Uh, genius ideas of how to solve the Jewish problem. Eventually the temple's, the temples destroyed. Jews move all around the world, starting off mostly in uh, Babylonia and the Roman empire, slowly but surely branching out to Europe. And then from Western Europe where they were kicked out of they move to Eastern Europe, and Eastern Europe, they're constantly moving more east, etc. Until late 1800s, early 1900s, when many people start emigrating out of Eastern Europe, moving to the United States, to South Africa, etc. Then obviously the Holocaust, for those who didn't make it out, um, 6 million. And then returning to Israel, and the world we live in today. 
that is literally two, three minutes of Jewish history. My point is, before we make a decision to walk out that door, don't you want to know what's in the door? Before you close the door on generations, on thousands of years of sacrifice, of love, of tradition, of customs, of mitzvah, of family, of identity, don't you want just to get to know it a bit? Imagine you grew up as a prince or a princess. And although you were a prince and princess, you didn't live that way. Or you didn't really know what life entails. You were pampered, etc. We didn't really appreciate why you're a prince or princess, where you come from. What's the legacy? What brought you here? What does it mean? What does your future hold? Instead, one day you decide, I'm not made for the palace. I want to be a peasant. I want to pick potatoes out of the ground. Wouldn't that be sad? Wouldn't that be devastating to watch? All too often, we walk out of the palace of our heritage and we close the door shut, going for other, adapting other cultures or just lack of any culture, before actually asking ourselves a simple question. What is this palace all about? What is this identity all about? What did my ancestors live for? What did they die for? Why were they always hated? You know, anti-Semitism is, is beyond evil. But one question that does lead people to ask is, why? Why did you? And that question maybe doesn't have a perfect answer, but it's an important question. Because it means I have to figure out my identity. I have to figure out my story. I have to figure out what's make, what, what makes me unique. I have to figure out what this thing that has moved across the world, this culture that was never bound by time, for 1900 years or close, we were outside the land of Israel, wasn't based on a certain location, wasn't based on certain foods because there were Sephardi Jews and Ashkenazi Jews. It wasn't based on a race because there's all different races of Jews wasn't based on anything other than just identity. This is my neshama. This is who I am. This is my purpose in this world. For thousands of years, we've been carrying it. And yet we live in a time today that more and more are dropping it. And they're dropping it not out of, you know, passion for a different identity. You know, like, I found the truth somewhere else. No. Often it's, I'm not even looking for truth. I'm just looking for what's comfortable. But before you go and close the door, before you decide to not pass on your Jewishness to your children, to not pass on the tradition to your children, before you decide that Jewish education is not important for your children, don't you at least want to really explore it with a broad mind? You know, more and more, we're finding that Jewish children are going out of Jewish schools. And sometimes it's for good reason. 
need special education, remedial education. But more and more, it's also coming for other reasons, just because sport, academics. And I'm not here to debate whether it's true or not that other places have academics or sport. That's not my point. My point is, how much did the Judaism element factor in before you made the decision? How much is it factoring in, in that conversation? How important is it to you that your grandchildren are Jewish? How important is it that your grandchildren will be sitting at a Seder and identifying with the story? How important is it that your ancestors can look at you and be proud? These things are, I believe, are extremely important. I could say for myself that I've, in my weakest moments, I've found incredible strength by thinking about the tenacity of my ancestors and feeling almost an obligation to at least try to live up to what they died for or lived for. And that's why I said earlier that our identity is much more than just us, what we, what we believe and our happiness and our lives. A human being cannot just show up, make believe as if there's no history that brought them into this world and then you know throw it all out. One second. You don't live in isolation. Your identity is not just you. Your identity is your story. Your identity is what brought you into this world. It's people who fought for something, who believed in something. And you're only in this world for that because of that belief, because of that idea. And no, they weren't primitive. They maybe didn't have smartphones. Boo-hoo. They didn't know Instagram. They didn't buy into every new idea of morality that comes out every few weeks, where our morality is redefined by the new by the new geistite of the time, the new perspective of the time. They were maybe more conservative in their worldview. And maybe, yes, the world wasn't perfect, because no world is perfect. But their world was beautiful, and the world had so much for us to take in. So to live in, as a modern person without appreciating our ancestors who weren't modern, but who were people of incredible tenacity and grit and determination and faith and virtue and passion and ideals and dreams and memories, to, to throw that out nonchalantly? Is that fear? Is that fear, is my question. But in order to ask that question, there has to be an appreciation of the past. And more and more you see just like, meh, history is just a subject. But history is a subject. Yes, there might be certain elements of history of the total subject. How many soldiers there were, you know, in this specific war and what exactly the Roman Empire, how long each Caesar lasted in the Roman Empire. Big discovery, not long. Um, that might be, you know, a subject. But... The Jewish story is history, as in his story or her story. No, it's your story. It's in you. It's in your DNA. <laughs> you know, today it's been shown through epigenetics that the trauma of generations comes into you. So as I often tell people, if you have all the trauma of the last hundreds of years of persecution, don't you at least want to also have the beauty of it? 
because pretty much we're all walking around with the trauma of, of thousands of years of pain. Um, there's a reason why, you know, there's so many jokes about Jewish guilt and Jewish, um, you know, Jews in therapy, etc. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of pain. And that's the, the unbeautiful part, the non-beautiful part of our legacy. But the beautiful part of the legacy that came from it, what they fought for, is amazing. Do you know your own family story? Do you know who your great-grandparents were? Do you know what they sacrificed for? Do you know what drove them? Do you know what they took pride of? Do you know what they dreamed for their descendants? It matters. It really matters. Because we don't live in an isolation. We don't live in a bubble. We didn't just show up. There were generations before us. None of us just had a big bang, kaboom, and just came out of nothing. No, there's a story. So before you just go leave your story, isn't it fair and honorable and respectful to come and say, what is my story? And yes, I'm giving this from a Jewish perspective, but I'm aware that some of our listeners are not Jewish. And I would say to whatever tradition you come from, to whatever story you come from, to whatever identity you come from, before you throw it out, before you say, okay, everything will be sacrificed on the altar of sophistication and modernity, before you do that, don't, don't you owe them the time to explore? Before you throw out Judaism, do you know what you're throwing out? Have you gotten to know it? When was the last time you've sat for a week getting to know Judaism? The whole day. Your, the history, the, the wisdom, the meaning. Before you throw it out, don't you at least, doesn't it at least deserve something? A week of your life. Fly to Israel, go to Yeshiva, go to seminary. Before you decide to, you know, I don't know, marry out the faith or leave the faith or just drop it doesn't it deserve at least a a week of getting to know what it is but looking for looking with an open mind in other words don't come there with preconceived notions go in for a week ask all the questions be open to answers and then make a decision ideally longer than a week but a week is still beautiful and then at least you could sit there saying hey i've explored it but to throw it out without exploring, that's not fear. Why find something else before you check out what, you're, what you own? It's, there's so much beauty in your own story. Why are you running to other stories? First, get to know your own. I'm sure there's beauty in other stories as well. But it's your story. As Chief Rabbi Sachs used to say, It's my story. It's my heritage. It's my meaning it's my purpose it's where i come from what is it do you know it can you describe it can you give a recap of jewish history can you give a recap of jewish thought can you explain what a page of talmud is can you understand what drove your grandparents to fight for their faith at all costs if you cannot then before you close the book, at least read it. At least read the book. 
at least you know what book you're closing. And I believe that once you get to know the book, and once you read it with an open mind, you'll never want to leave. This is 101.9 High FM, and it's Rabbi Levi Avtson from Linksfield Shaw. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So yeah, that's the question. The question is, what's your story? We're going into a time of the year in the calendar with fascinating stories. The Purim story is fascinating. There's no other way to say it. It's an absolutely amazing story. The Pesach story, fascinating story. Do you know it? Okay, many of us will say we know the story of, um, you know, the basic story, right? We know the basic outline. We were in Egypt and we were redeemed. Why were we in Egypt? Have you gone through the five books of Moses, the Chumash, from cover to cover? Have you gone through the Tanakh, the 24 books of Tanakh, from cover to cover? Have you gone through the Talmud? 2,700 plus double-sided pages, each one that to learn quick takes an hour. Have you gone through it before you threw out the heritage? Have you gone through the Rashi's, the great commentator? Have you gone through Jewish thought? Duties of the heart, Kuzari, Tanya. Have you gone through Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, Hasidut. Have you gone through Halakha, Jewish law, Shulchan Aruch, the Tur, the Mechaber? Why are we so quick to close the door on something we don't know? It's your story. It's your heritage. You know, we're told, according to Jewish law, the first mitz- the first statement that we teach a child to say is Torah that Moshe commanded us the Torah on behalf of God. In other words, he gave us the Torah. Morasha, it's an inheritance to everyone within the family of Jacob. In other words, within every Jew. Inheritance means it's yours by default. The, the commentaries explain that if heaven forbid a young father dies and he has a one day old baby, the baby inherits everything the father left, unless obviously the father made a, you know, a different agreement. But if the father has no will, by default, the inheritance goes to the child without the child doing anything, just by the mere fact that he is the child of the father. In other words, and inheritance means that just by the mere fact that you exist, that's your story. The mere fact that you exist, it's yours. The mere fact that you were born into this family, it's yours as much as any other. Whether you're a scholar or not a scholar, it's your story. And therefore, it's also your privilege to get to know it. 
you know, thinking to myself, every family has a unique story. Every family, every every family has a story, and some stories are prettier and some stories are not. But ultimately, a healthy child is loyal to their family. Obviously, they develop their own, you know, ideas, etc. But family is everything. That's the way a healthy family dynamic works. That you don't run away, you don't slam the door on your heritage unless it's really dysfunctional, super, super dysfunctional. But by default, we all stay within the family that we were born into, and that's not a bad thing. It's not elitism. It's an appreciation that this is my story. This is the people who brought me into this world. This is my story. That's common sense. That's the way the world ought to run, and in many, in most instances, does run. And it should be the exact same way with your heritage, with your identity, that you are coming after thousands of years. It's your family. Why? Why be the last link on the chain of thousands of years? Why be the last link on the change on a purpose, on a mission that has not actualized itself yet? Our ancestors, our parents, our grandparents, were heading towards one goal, and that is to make this world a beautiful, godly world. To fix this world, what's called today tikkun olam, but to fix the world under, the, under, under one God, to, to make this world a moral, decent, generous better place to be a light and until that mission is done i can't walk i I can if i want to i'm saying nobody takes away the free choice but i shouldn't be able by myself by my own feeling of obligation to just walk off the battlefield it's our purpose it's our privilege it's who we are And it is so beautiful. Unlike Tevye, who says in Fiddler on the Roof, God, you know, could he choose somebody else? The Jew, despite everything they've been through, and despite rising anti-Semitism, and despite all the persecution, always knew that it was a privilege to be who they are. Yes, it's a privilege that comes with a huge cost, but it's an incredible privilege. I was reading a story um, yesterday about a bunch of Jews who managed to get out of Soviet Russia in the early 1970s. And um, they were pretty much locked up behind the Iron Curtain from the for 50 years. The Iron Curtain went up in the late 19, 1919, 1920. Um, the, the Soviet Union, forced assimilation, and these were people who came out after 50 years of that Soviet propaganda, and they were Torah Jews, proud Torah Jews, Jews who knew how to learn, and knew and were passionate about what they did. And they went to visit various, you know, sages in um, around the world, just to meet them, to give them a report of what's going on in Russia, etc. And one of the people they met was the great Posek, the great Allahic authority, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. And Rabbi Moshe Feinstein sees in front of him a bunch of people proud of their identity, although they've lived for literally their entire life under persecution, under starvation. 
And he turns to one of them and he says, how did you do it? How did you manage to walk out such a scholar in a place where religion is illegal, where learning's illegal, where the forces of assimilation are so strong? How did you do it? And this fellow turns to him and he says, did I have a choice? And Rabbi Moshe Feinstein just like breaks out this big smile. And I thought, you know, like that answer. What do you mean? Of course this guy had a choice, right? He had a choice. He could do what he wants. But for him, no, there was no choice. This is me. This is my story. This is my identity. So if I have to, if I have to fight Stalin and Kretschnev and, you know, and uh, Lenin and... The, the the whole world around me, I have to fight it for 50 years to keep my identity, then so be it. I don't have another choice. This is me. It's like asking somebody to stop being them. This is me. This is my truth. This is my authentic self. Your history is you. That's why there is no word history in the Holy Tongue, in Lashon HaKodesh. In modern Hebrew, they use the word here, you never heard it before, historia, which is just the English word turned Hebrew, which is quite a few words um, in modern Hebrew. But in traditional holy tongue, the, the, the language of the Bible, of the Chumash, of the Torah, there is no word for history, because there is no such a thing as history. It's our story. It's our identity. It's engraved inside the heart of each and every one of us. And when we sit at the Pesach Seder, we are not commemorating only a story that happened 3,300 years ago. We are living it because it's our story. Because each and every day we're fighting our own Egypts. Each and every day we're looking to find our own miracles. Because it's us. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. So this is Rabbi Levi Avtson wrapping up the show. I hope you were with us during the show. I hope whatever was shared, although maybe I, you know, it was a, a heavy topic, I hope it wasn't to offend, it wasn't to judge, heaven forbid. It was to, to converse, to have a conversation, which is really what a Fabringen is. And I hope that the message of getting to know your identity before even thinking of discarding it resonates we have a beautiful story we have a beautiful legacy we have a beautiful mission we have so much wisdom get to know it ignorance of one's own story is what leads so many of us to drop it. And therefore the best thing we could do is education. Educate yourself, educate your children, educate your grandchildren, that what they have is something that is more precious than gold. What they have is something that millions died for and even more millions lived for. What they have for which is truly what we're all searching, is the greatest gift of identity and purpose. It's all there. Just get to know it. Have a great day. Shavuot Tov.
This is Rabbi Levi Atzin signing off. God bless you.